It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are edging ever closer, ladies and gentlemen, to the end of the week and the news is looking better and better. First up, let's congratulate former MPs Chucka Amuna, Sam Jima and Dr Philip Lee, all three massive Remainers who deserted their original parties in order to betray Brexit and those who voted for it. Yesterday, they found out that not only had they lost their huge MP salaries and expenses, but it now turns out that they aren't going to get a redundancy payment for losing their jobs either. You'll remember that all three of them jumped and then jump constituencies for the last election. But by doing so, they effectively axed their own jobs and so they don't qualify for the 31,000 quid that all other outgoing MPs get. Even lucky old Dominic Grieve. Is it just me that thinks there's a delicious irony about all of this? And why not transfer the 93,000 quid we've just saved straight to the Big Ben Bong Fund? 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Brexit dividend, the boost that's coming to the economy after we leave the European Union on January 31st, after news that billionaire Peter Hargreaves is to set up a £100 million foundation to help underprivileged young people through education and sport. It's going to be a great year, people. 0344 499 1000. Coming up a bit later on, I'll be talking to Barrister Jerry Hayes about introduction of cameras into the courts of the land including the Old Bailey. We'll soon be able to watch judges handing out sentences and it's going to be great news for justice being seen to be being done, isn't it? 0344 499 1000 is the number. We're live streaming the show every day now, so catch us on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter, because uh, now not only can you listen to us on Talk Radio, you can watch us as well. And lots of people that I met last night at Maya Tuzi's Bash uh, were very interested in my tie wearing, uh, my suit wearing, my haircuts and all of that, so feel free to comment on any of that if you so wish. We'll also be bringing the latest on the Harry and Meghan saga. Prince Harry, of course, having said that they were going to opt out of the Royal Rota scenario, uh, is making his first appearance with the Royal Rota in tow. So that's the first promise broken uh, after three days. Well done, Prince Harry. You're listening to me and watching me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio, the, the fastest growing radio station in the entire land. Why are you going early? You've gone early. They've gone early. I hate it when they go early. 
We've got the substitute in today. Mr Gale is having a new bathroom put in, apparently, so uh, we'll let you know about that and how that's going, how much it's going to cost later on. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do, 03444991000. Coming up a little bit later on, uh, we'll be talking about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle because apparently uh, there are stories coming from his old friends saying that they've basically been cut off from him. Uh, they've not been allowed to have anything to do with him uh, and they're not very happy about it. Joe Hemmings is going to talk to us. And we'll also hear from LaDonna Harvey uh, from San Diego in the US of A on the latest uh, Trump impeachment scenario. First, though, uh, let's go back to this uh, televising of court story. Chris Philp is with us, Justice Minister and MP for Croydon South. Chris, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I'm looking at the story in the Times today. I was talking to Jerry Hayes, a, a barrister, about this a little bit earlier on in the show. I'm wondering how it's going to work exactly. Are you going to have a sort of dedicated channel? Is it going to be available for everyone to see on Freeview? How's that going to work? So uh, broadcasters will get given access to the courts to, at their sort of choice, the, okay. court, the cases they want to cover. They'll bring their own equipment into the courtroom and they'll film just the sentencing remarks made by senior judges in the most serious criminal cases. And then those broadcasters, the, the, the broadcaster that sends in the camera, can then pull the footage yes. so other broadcasters can use it as well and it'll be made available online too. So, that's how so we'll works. be able to use it on our own uh, talk radio TV station then? Well, if you're part of the pool, I, I guess you probably are, then then you would be able to use it, yeah. So your, yeah. your, your viewers and listeners can see the sentencing remarks. And the idea is that it get, just makes justice more transparent, more open, so people can see the reasons behind why a judge hands down a particular sentence. Because sometimes as a local MP, as well as a minister, sometimes people say, well, I don't understand why was that sentence so high or why mm. was it so low? And they ask those kind of questions. If they can see the judges explaining why why a particular sentence was handed down, it'll help people just understand why it was done that particular way. I mean, they may disagree or agree, right. but at least they'll be able to see all of the reasons. So it sounds as though it will be more usable in sort of high-profile cases than, than it will be on, on sort of what you might call everyday Crown Court matters. Well, it, it will cover the Crown Court, and I think it'll be it'll be it'll apply to cases being heard by um, High Court judges sitting in the Crown Court, mm. as well as the more senior Crown Court judges. So it'll it'll tend to be the more important Crown Court cases. Um, but it will be, it'll be a, quite a large number of cases each year which broadcasters will have access to if they, yes. if they want to. And I would, I would encourage I'm, broadcasters to, to take up the option and to use it. Oh, of course, but what I'm saying is, is if it's driven by sort of what is likely to be newsworthy, then they're not going to be that interested in your run-of-the-mill stuff that happens every day uh, of the week down at Oxford Crown Court, are they? Yeah, well, I mean, that's obviously up to, up to broadcasters, but uh, I mean, you're, you're probably right. But it certainly is a big step forward in terms of making our courts like accessible, transparent and open. And mm. actually, the judges welcome this as well, the Lord Chief Justice. Lord Burnett has um, has strongly welcomed this move. Obviously, broadcasters themselves have welcomed it, including uh, including Sky and the BBC and ITV, because it, it does just make the whole system mm. a lot more open. Well, it will certainly help them in, in, in those big, high-profile cases, as I say. As far as the um, uh, the running of all of it is concerned, though, so there's no sort of on-cost, if you like, to the Department of Justice. It's, That's it's, right. It's all going to be outsourced to, to, to media companies. Yes, obviously, the media companies will be responsible for bringing the camera equipment into the court. Obviously, the court service will uh, kind of facilitate that and sort of help them get it organised but the actual cost of bringing the equipment in is is for the broadcasters. Yeah. Is there any fear that, you know what, uh, can sometimes go wrong in these situations where you know they didn't think they were filming that bit but actually they were filming that bit and suddenly it went out I mean it doesn't sound to me as if there's going to be that much kind of live 
streaming necessarily. It might be filmed, but not necessarily live streamed. Yeah, well, it'll, it'll be obviously recorded and people can use it in clips and it'll yeah. be put online. But where it is used live, and I guess in some cases it's conceivable um, it might be used live, there's going to be a 10-second delay. Right. So if anything kind of unexpected goes wrong, yeah. there'll be an opportunity for the producer just to um, step in and, and, and cut the feed. Um, so there is that safeguard. It's also going to focus just on the judge. So so witnesses, victims, uh, the barristers yeah. and court staff won't be in shot. It'll just be the um, judge. Obviously, one concern is that, that victims who are often giving evidence about very distressing um, experiences um, probably don't want to be on TV. Mm. So it'll, it'll just be the sentencing remark. So victims uh, won't be on camera at all. OK, the piece I'm reading here also says it's up to the judges themselves if they want to agree to it as well. So if the media company want to get in there and the judge says no, they won't be able to. Well, I think, I think judges um, you know, do need to retain a measure of discretion over how they run their courts, but I think any such power would be absolutely exceptional. I mean, the expectation is that uh, if a media company wants to send the camera to the cases that qualify that I've described, they would be able to do so. But you might some very occasionally have an exceptional um, set of circumstances, but the, you know, the intention is this will be opening up these cases so people can just see uh, judges explaining why a particular sentence has been handed down. Sure. One of the things Jerry Hayes said to me was that a lot of the courts are currently in a sort of crisis situation because many of them are not even open uh, since there are not enough people to run them. Is that still the case? What plans have you got to improve that? Well, we've recently increased Crown Court uh, sitting days uh, this year. We've added an extra 700 Crown Court sitting days. We're also in the middle of a, um, a kind of transformation programme, a court reform programme, to try and, for cases, not so much criminal cases, but things like um, civil money claims, where somebody's claiming money off someone else, uh, probate cases, uncontested divorce, all of those things are now moving online, which obviously makes the system easier to use, mm. um, but it also it's more efficient um, as well. Um, and then the, the number of um, sort of outstanding cases in the Crown Court is at the sort of kind of the waiting list, if you like, for Crown Court cases, right. is the lowest it's been since about 2001. But we do keep it under regular review and we just make sure we um, schedule enough. They're called sitting days, the number of days a judge sits in the court. And we, you know, move those up and down to make sure that there's enough capacity to handle the cases. So are you hopeful that an extra 700 odd days will, will clear the backlog, if you like? Well, I mean, you're, you're always going to have some uh, waiting as, as cases get prepared and so on. As I say, the outstanding caseload's the lowest it's been since 2001. Mm. And the extra 700 days, that's for this year, the, you know, the year that's only got a couple of months, the financial year that's only got a couple of months to run, um, is significant. And, uh, you know, we'll obviously then be reviewing the number of sitting days um, for next year. But we're always going to make sure there are enough uh, Crown Court judges available to hear cases. It's reviewed right. on a almost month-to-month -month basis. And, and does the, 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 the sort of the logjam of, of cases, which is there because there are so many many cases and so many lawsuits, obviously. Does that have an effect on the CPS and their decision-making about bringing cases in the criminal courts? Because we hear an awful lot about uh, people whose houses get burgled or cars get stolen and, you know, the, the prosecution doesn't ever really happen. Is it because there's no capacity? No, categorically not. I mean, the CPS is completely independent. Uh, it runs independently of the court system and everything else. So that, and they've got a duty to prosecute cases where those cases are sent to them by the police and they meet the test. You know, are, is there a reasonable prospect mm. of conviction and does it serve the public interest? So the prosecution decisions are, to are totally independent of the court system. In fact, more money is going into the CPS, an extra 85 million quid over two years to make sure they can hire some extra lawyers and process cases more quickly. The issue with, um, with, with, with burglary, you mentioned burglary, 
burglary a minute ago. I mean, I was actually very recently um, the victim of domestic burglary myself. Mm. And and to be fair, the, the police forensic uh, guy came around very quickly within a couple of hours. The issue well, is, that's because you're the justice minister, Chris. It's not, and I didn't. They didn't know that. They, I was very careful not to say that. Um, I was very careful not to say that. Well, I got um, a letter just the other day from a guy whose house was burgled, mm. uh, and he called the police, and they said, uh, we'll send somebody around on Monday. And this was on mm. Friday night. And by the time they came around on the Monday, because they'd cleaned up, yeah. they were told, well, yeah. there isn't really any forensics. There's yeah. nothing we can do. Well, I say my, my experience of that was it, the the, um, the police forensics um, officer came around within a couple of hours. But but I mean because the burglars obviously not stupid, they were wearing gloves and things. Yeah. Um, but they did they did do a, they sort of tried to take DNA evidence. Um, so they were quite thorough in the work they did. But if you can't collect the fingerprints or DNA evidence, obviously it's quite hard to follow up. But we're we're hiring, as you know, an extra twenty thousand police officers to make those responses um, to things like burglary, but other offences as well, mm. much much quicker um, to make sure we catch more of these people. But the problem is, is that, you know, the burglars know that there's a very high likelihood that they won't get caught. And if they are caught, there won't be any case brought against them. And we've only just seen another high-profile burglary uh, in the paper this morning. Uh, one of those TV chefs had had his house broken yeah. into. Well, in well, those, well, those people, that was, a, that was a gang that came in from Chile. Yeah. And they, they have been caught and they've been sentenced um, to prison. Where burglars get caught, they, have, they will get sentenced and... Um, you know, if they, there's a, I think there's a three strikes and you get an even longer sentence. So, and in fact, burglary sentences have gone up quite a lot for standard in the last 10 years. For standard burglary, the sentence has um, gone up from, on average, from 20 months to 28 months. And for aggravated burglary, the average sentence handed down by the judges has doubled. Um, I think it's doubled from, uh, speaking from memory, two years to four years. So where we catch people, they get, they do get um, meaningful sentences. And these extra police officers will, one of the things they'll be doing is catching more burglars, because having suffered this myself relatively recently, yeah. um, it is extremely distressing. Oh, and it is, absolutely. And, and one final thing, Chris, just since we're coming towards the end of uh, January very shortly, and it'll be the, uh, the leaving of the European Union, if you've got mm. any concerns, as some people do, about the um, sort of future cooperation between um, you know, criminal justice systems across Europe and, and you, 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 yourselves here? Well, clearly we've got the rest of this year to negotiate that future relationship, and I am very confident that we will get a really good deal agreed on uh, criminal justice cooperation, but also, of course, on trade as well. Yeah. But, and the reason I'm confident is that it serves our, their interest as well as ours to cooperate on criminal justice. It serves their interest as well as ours to have a good trade deal. And I hope now that we sort of got through the exit agreement, which will um, be into law very shortly, and we actually leave on the 31st of January, legally leave the European Union, I hope the kind of rancour that's, that's, in, that's infected this debate both domestically in the last two or three years, but also the kind of rancour between the UK and the European mm. Union in the negotiation. I hope all of that will just subside once we've delivered Brexit, we have left. We can then look to the future. We can stop arguing about the exit agreement, as we've all been doing for the last three years. We can look to the future and put our relationship, the UK's relationship with Europe, onto a really constructive, positive footing. We can continue to cooperate on criminal justice. We can get a really good trade deal done to keep trade flowing. But, of course, the UK will also be able to do other trade deals around the world. And I hope we can get do that this year, this calendar year, 2020, and face the future with confidence and optimism. Yeah, well, certainly I was very encouraged to see that when the Brexit withdrawal bill was finally voted through by the House of Commons, uh, it made a bottom of page 15 in the Times. And yeah. I thought to myself, what, what, a was change. All, what was all that fuss about? What a change. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I thought the same thing as I was there voting for it, yeah. voting with the majority of 80 or 100. And had that, when that same piece of legislation came forward back in September, October, it was a day of high drama. People like Oliver Letwin and Dominic Grieve were, you know, up to their shenanigans. The, the, the votes were either on a knife edge or more often than not were lost. It was like a whole different world. Thanks to the majority the British public gave us in December, we can get on and get this done and the whole country can move on 
and, as I say, face the future with confidence and optimism. Absolutely right. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Chris Filt there, Justice Minister MP for Croydon South. Funnily enough, I was at an event last night with some MPs and Steve Baker, uh, the Brexit Secretary, uh, was saying that he was sitting after having had one of those votes in the House of Commons last week uh, in the lobby just waiting to go back into the House, House of Commons. And uh, one of his fellow MPs turned to him and said, did we win that one? He said, uh, yeah, we did. And that's what it's going to be like from now on. We're going to win all of them. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do, 0344 499 1000. We have a very positive sort of show today. Uh, lots of people getting very uh, excited about the prospects of leaving the European Union. David says this on the YouTube feed, you're not allowed to be nationalistic or patriotic, it is illegal. Uh, and of course you would say that, wouldn't you? Uh, and here's one from Tony, who says, Great Britain has always been a great country, however a handful of political parties don't like Britain and are doing their best to crush it. Uh, well, you would think that at times, wouldn't you? There is a very sort of, uh, what you might regard as a a rather small minority of people who just want to talk Britain down all the time. They want to describe the country as racist. They want to tell us we're all doing the wrong thing, that we're encouraging the wrong people, we've all got the wrong thoughts, that none of us are actually pure, that morally we are bankrupt. Well, I'm not buying any of that, I'm afraid. And right now I'm going to talk to Mike Yardley, who is, I'm pretty sure, a man that might agree with most of what I just said. Mike, a very good uh, morning to you. I was just thinking that as you were saying. If I, <laughs> yes, I, I, I think we're a bigger, a bigger club than we yet imagined. Well, I think they, they, they've all been taken rather by surprise that the election result turned out the way that it did, that there are more people out there who actually are believers in Great Britain and believers in, in much of the good things that come from this country rather than those who talk it down all the time. Well, I, I know we were intending to talk about something else, but, you know, years ago I made a documentary for the BBC on the media and the monarchy, and, I, of course, I followed the, the story with Meghan. Yeah. And this idea that somehow she might be wanting to leave because of British racism... Yeah. And I was incensed by that. You know, we're, I've travelled everywhere over the years. We are one of the most tolerant, kindly places on the planet. And I've seen real racism in yeah. southern Africa, in southern states in the US, and in Eastern Europe. You've only got to go to France to find it. Huge in France, yeah. yes. And to, to suggest that we're a racist country, I thought that was just disgraceful. And yes. I think a lot of people are now getting fed up and saying, oh, hold on a minute, that's not the country I live in. And I'm fed up with you know, left-wing commentators. I have to say it, the BBC sometimes yep. seems to, you know, be pushing a lot of these issues. Um, thousands and thousands of people when I've made tweets on this have liked my tweets. Um, although, you know, most oddly, when I, I did one, um, I've done some tweets about Brexit, and on one of them, Twitter removed 10,000 votes. They really? just disappeared. Yes, really? as I was watching. And very happily, I had screenshots before and after. Mm. Isn't that as interesting? Yeah, there's some, very, there's some very odd things happen on social media, which maybe we should talk about another time. But right now, no, let's, talk, let's talk about the BBC, because the BBC are involved in this Sir David Attenborough uh, comment, which was put out yesterday on his Twitter feed, uh, because they're apparently launching a new climate change uh, sort of programme of events, if you like, that they're going to be bringing us throughout the course of this year. And David, Sir David Attenborough is somebody that's starting to irritate me quite a lot. I know that people say, cut him some slack, he's 94, he's a benevolent old guy. I mean, what 
I find amazing is that most of these people in this, in this country now and around the world tell us that we should just ignore old white men because what do they know? This is about the oldest white man I know and everybody thinks he's God. Well, we have deified him, I'm afraid, yes, and I, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says. I, I do think he's made people much more aware of the natural world, but mm. often that's a virtual experience of the natural world rather than a real one. And, and when you see people that protest on climate change, I mean, here's a good example. How do, what do you think our carbon monoxide emissions um, are like historically? I'm sure well, they're not as bad as, as everybody says they are. Oh, I mean, they're vastly reduced. Mm. I mean, you know, the, um, the numbers are hugely down. I mean, the um, lowest ever, just about. Right. Well, funnily enough, I was talking to a councillor from York City Council the other day because they've announced that they're going to pedestrianise the entire centre of York, which will kill off most of the shops and probably create an awful lot of unemployment. He was saying that they're doing it because the air quality is so bad that they fear people are dying. I actually got hold of the air quality figures and the nitrous oxide, which I think is what is supposed to be the most dangerous uh, and toxic of, of, the, of the sort of chemicals in the atmosphere. The, the numbers for the centre of York are some of the lowest in the world. Well, I, I love York, and it would be a tragedy if they do do that. Mm. But I, I think generally what we see is, you know, this political correctness leaving everything. And people assume that what we're being told is correct. And also, the other side of climate change is this is almost certainly going to be used as a stick to beat us with. Yeah. More tax, more control. And yet, we are not offenders in this country. The real offenders are China, India, Russia, possibly the US to a degree and what's going to happen there. And yet you have our climate change protesters seem to be particularly hysterical when, in fact, we've done all the right things in the UK. And again, this is, you know, it shows you this lack of balance and this sort of media-led hysteria that seems to impact on so many issues. I'll give you, I'll give you another one from the news in the last few days. Trophy hunting. Yeah. Um, some of the stars come out and say, you know, this is a wicked and barbaric practice. Um, it's got to be banned, it's got to be banned, we've got to stop this. Well, you know, I, I happen to shoot clay pigeons. I do go out and shoot the odd pheasants, and, uh, which I love to eat after I've shot it. Yeah. But there has to be some trophy hunting. Trophy hunting has saved a lot of African species. If it wasn't for the trophy hunting, those species would be extinct now. More to the point, and I had an interesting argument with somebody from the League Against Cruel Sports, and they could not answer this question. How are they proposing to control, for example, the deer population in Britain? Right. Now, in Britain, we've got you know, large deer, red deer, fallow deer, seeker deer, other different sorts of deer. Roughly speaking, you have to control them, cull them by a factor of about 25%, sometimes 30% mm. a year. If you don't do that, because of agriculture, because of urban sprawl, those deer will die of disease and starvation. Or they'll get run over on the roads which they do all the time. Yeah. But they have to be controlled. And there are other species like rabbits and rats that have to be controlled. Now, why pretend that that isn't the case? Because it is the case. And it means that we have this sort of very weird, fluffy Bambiism, which is apparent. But beyond that, going a little deeper, and this is interesting, there is a fundamental sort of denial of death. Mm. And I, th I think that connects to the whole vegan fetish yes. at the moment as well. Right. I mean, death is part of our human life. We're an omnivore. Yeah. We eat vegetables, we eat meat. Um, it is part of us. And yet there is an attempt to sort of detach us from that reality 
And I think that's fundamentally unhealthy. Well, it really is. And I'll tell you why it's happening, Mike, and this is my theory, because we've been taken over by these kind of over-educated university types who think that they know better than everybody else, but they've never actually got any experience of anything. They've never been out on a pheasant shoot. They've probably never seen a deer in the wild. They've probably never uh, had to face any kind of, you know, natural disaster because they've lived these mollycoddled lives where they've moved from one, you know, educational institute to another. They've had pretty pampered upbringing and they're now telling everybody else how to live and what to do. And I think that's the problem. No, I think you're right, Mike. And the other thing, I mean, there is this sense of entitlement. But beyond that, there is a failure to acknowledge how much better we are off today than we used to. Yes. Our society has progressed in many ways and the average person is far better off than they used to be. I mean, you think, think back to your childhood. I mean, you know, I can, going around to my grands years and years ago, 50 plus years ago, and, yeah. you know, having a roast dinner and all the rest of it, all, the, all those sort of things that were a little special when you were young. Mm. But we were not as opulent. We didn't have as much, not. you know, choice on the food front, all that sort of stuff. We are much, much better off in real terms. And yet, you switch to... And so is most of the world, by the way. And indeed, yes, the, 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 the poverty is something that has been addressed and we are doing something real about it. Of course, there are many people still in dreadful circumstances, mm. um, but, there, but there has been an improvement. But generally, it seems to be that there's this sort of depressive deal going on now. And you switch on particularly televised media and um, posh radio, Radio 4, stuff like that. You would think that everybody had to be diagnosed with some sort of depressive or yeah. anxiety disorder. And you can't celebrate being normal anymore and healthy. No. You're not allowed to do that. And also, it. apparently now, it's perfectly acceptable to be a member of the royal family, who are probably the most privileged people in the entire world, and to walk around saying that you're not OK. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I Sorry. Think what happened... What, no, I, what happened to the stiff upper lip? I know. Particu particularly from guards officers. You know, I've been brought up around a few guards officers, yeah. so something, something has changed drastically. I mean, we used to be a stalwart, humorous, hard-working lot, yeah. and PC has come into our society, and I think that PC is nothing less than a political movement. Yeah. Some people would go as far as to say that PC was neo-Marxist. Well, look um, at Extinction Rebellion. I think they're currently lying down in front of the Shell Oil Terminal up in Aberdeen. These are yeah. people who want to end capitalism. They're not interested in climate change, really. You know, they've all lived and benefited from um, the, the industrial age and, and fossil fuels and electricity and iPhones. I mean, and yet they want it all to end. And are they being paid for taking well, part in those demonstrations? That's an, another They've got a lot of money. Question. They've got an awful lot of money because idiotic pop stars want to give them loads of money. I think one of the members of Pink Floyd gave Extinction Rebellion a couple of million quid the other week. Yeah, extraordinary. The other thing that bothers me is the sort of hive mind that develops around this. So instead of think, thinking things through, uh, thinking things through, excuse me, um, most real issues are grey, as we both yeah. know. They're not simple, they're complex. But people take an increasingly polarised view of stuff. It's a sort of, climate change is a, a sort of fundamentalistic religion, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. You know, you're not allowed to doubt. Oh, and if you, if you doubt it, you are, you know, the, sort of the devil, you're Beelzebub in disguise. So I think what, taking it another stage, I think it represents a despair which many young people may feel. Maybe they've been encouraged to feel it by people who want to achieve political power and think that by fanning this despair, they can, you know, offer the alternative. In another age, it used to be communism. 
um, in the Middle East, it was Islamic fundamentalism. Mm. Um, but, you know, something that you can believe in absolutely. No room for doubt. That's these sort of faiths have that um, commonality about them. There is no doubt. It's... Whereas I say to my kids, I brought up my kids and anyone listening, if you want to have a good life, doubt everything with a loving heart. Absolutely. Doubt will always take you to the truth. Yeah, question you need... absolutely everything. Mike, we've got to run because we're running late. We'd love to get you in, though. Why you, uh, if, you, if you're around, we'd love to get you into the studio because there's a lot of things we need to talk about. I may have to get you on Planks of the Week as well, which is a TV show we're now doing, uh, which is full of common sense, and we need people like you in this world uh, to be able to um, navigate our way through it. Thank you very much indeed, because here's what Sir David Attenborough is saying. Human beings have overrun the world. Well, thank God for that. Thank goodness it's not leopards or lions or elephants overrunning the world because we'd all get eaten, wouldn't we? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sit 
Saturday and Sunday morning from 7 on Talk Radio. More gun talk from a water pistol from the farmer of fury. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, I should say, and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live streaming to you from YouTube and from Facebook and Twitter as well uh, as coming to you live on the radio on DAB. Uh, you can get us on the phone app as well, online, talkradio.co.uk, all over the place. Uh, you can get us, and we're going to talk now uh, to our favourite celebrity chef, Mr Aldo Zilli, uh, who's going to talk to us about breakfast. Aldo, very good uh, afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Now, I'm, un I'm told it's uh, your birthday today. Uh, yeah, well, I was trying to keep it quiet until I put it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't be uh, rude enough to ask you how old you are, because obviously you look very, very much in the prime of your life. Exactly. What, um, what more can you I'm, do? What I'm, are you going to do? I'm, I'm having you... a second wind. Yeah, quite right. What does somebody like you do for your birthday? I'm being very spoiled today by my uh, very beautiful wife. That's nice. Are you going somewhere, somewhere nice to eat? Uh, maybe. This is where you give yourself a plug. This is where I, this is what I can't tell you because I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, well, let's hopefully hopefully right. it's somewhere that you might be involved with. But listen, this story, you know, the more we hear about millennials, uh, the more we dislike them because um, they're planks, frankly. I mean, these are people who say that they don't want to eat a full English breakfast ever in their lives because it's unhealthy. I mean, why would you just not want to do it ever? Well, the thing is, uh, you know, things are things are changing now with um, with the whole food scenario. You know, young people are looking to eat a lot healthier, and um, the full English breakfast is one of those dishes that it carries a lot of um, calories. But to be fair, you know, we we have uh, restaurants in London, and we started doing breakfast in uh, the one we have in uh, Selfridges up up in Selfridges called Alto, and the Bestseller, believe it or not, raise yourself. It's full English breakfast. Is that right? Well, it's one yeah. of those things that you have occasionally. I mean, you know, we when we moved into this new building, we've got a really nice new canteen, which is so much better than where we were before. Um, and they do a fantastic, magnificent breakfast. And when I first came here, I used to have probably more often than I should a full English breakfast. But I can't remember the last time I had one now because you don't, you, you just don't have it very often. No, I mean in, in Italy, you know, I come, I, I where I come from breakfast it's not you know full cooked breakfast it doesn't exist really no, right but they have a lot of pastries so that's even worse I suppose so. I mean, I always, I always liked the German uh, breakfast. Whenever I was in Germany, you'd have sort of maybe a boiled egg, a couple of slices of salami, you know, yeah. maybe a croissant. It was, it was, you know, you never felt like you were getting up from the table and you'd eaten too much. Continental, you know, yeah. continental breakfast is, um, and a bit a of cheese of, maybe. Yeah, a little bit of cheese. But the Germans eat a lot of. Um, uh, charcuteries in the morning. Yes, they do. Uh, and I quite like that. I quite like that rather than, um, you know, a cooked breakfast. Because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm occasionally hungry in the morning, but I'm not always that hungry. Yeah, well, uh, after I've had an espresso, for me, that's that's it. That's the beginning of my day. And yeah. then um, mid-morning, I might get a little bit hungry, but I never have anything cooked. Right. I might have juice or I might have something that, 
you know, fruit or, or something related. Uh-huh. But not, not, I never cook myself, a, you know, a big breakfast because I, I don't know. It's just I'm not that hungry in the morning. It's well, not, that's right. Nothing to do with but, the full English breakfast. But, I mean, traditionally, you know, the full English breakfast was eaten by people who had sort of big, tough, manual jobs and, you know, they needed lots of energy because they were going to be working physically very hard all day. Yeah, but even before that, it was just eaten by uh, very wealthy people. Yeah. And, and then later on, they went into the, the builders and the people that, like you said, they do sort of um, manual work. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a big fan of the of the, the what they call the greasy spoon cafe. If you can find a good cafe, I love those places for breakfast. Yeah, so do I, to be honest. And when we stay in, in you know hotels in around the country, we, me and my wife, always look forward to that that yeah. um, full English breakfast in the morning and. You know, once in a while, it's not going to kill anyone. Well, it's not. And also, once in a while, and I'm not allowed to eat them at home or cook them at home because uh, they smell too much, are kippers. Kippers and poached eggs for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> now you're talking. You know, that's what I like. I mean, I, 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 I could eat that more than I do, but the, but the problem is, like I say, I'm, I'm not generally speaking. I have to cook them on the barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, you know, there's also nowadays, you know, you don't have to... Uh, go for bacon you can go for healthy sausages yeah you can go for lots of different things that will will uh, fill the plate as as much as as much as you want right because, you know you can put your grilled tomatoes your grilled mushrooms there's a lot of vegetables you can use in the morning as well no yeah, absolutely and where, where, where do you stand on black pudding i don't stand anywhere on it you don't it's it's not one of the things that i would uh, ever eat or use really because the spanish do a version of it don't they yeah, so do the Italians, but I'm not a big fan. No, okay. So, I mean, again, it's something I'll have from time to time. But, I mean, as far as the, the, what they talk about, you know, like they, they like their smashed avocados and they like their porridge and all of that. I mean, I mean, eating too many avocados isn't necessarily great for you, is it? I don't know where all these avocados are coming from all of a sudden, to be honest. Well, they're all getting flown in from somewhere. We're all using them and uh, they're... There will be a shortage at some point because it's going mad. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody in our restaurants want avocado of some sort in something, in some salad or some kind of breakfast. Right. So we, we now have it on the menu in four or five different ways. Yeah. And, and people can't get enough of it. So, yes. You know, I mean, if you eat too much of it, it's going to be that good for you either. No, exactly right. Well, listen, Aldo, have a lovely birthday. Enjoy it. Um, I'm sure your wife will take you somewhere wonderful and um, have a nice time. I took the time out to speak to you, Mike, because you know how much I love you. I know. You're very kind. Thank you very much indeed. Aldo Zilli there, uh, celebrity chef, marvellous man. Terrific chef, by the way, and has some great restaurants all over the place, which uh, um, many of you will already know. Uh, We're going to really almost run out of time, surely, but we've got time to squeeze in a couple more calls. So let's talk to Daniel, who wants to talk about prisons. Hi, Daniel. All right, Chief. I was going to talk about prisons, but I've just realised that the, the, the breakfast topic, I found that eating... Um, lot, basically no carbs, but like a good good English breakfast most days. Yeah. It's helped me lose weight, Chief. I'm, Has it? I'm, yeah, eggs, bacon, sausage, tomato, mushrooms. Basically, if you avoid the chips and you avoid the chips, you shouldn't have them. Well, you shouldn't have chips. See, I'm, I, I wouldn't ever have chips for breakfast. That's, that's, that's wrong. No. no, that is wrong. But, I mean, don't have any toast. And if you just have black pudding, you know, bacon, eggs, sausage, yeah. you'll lose weight. You'll is that like a protein diet type thing? It is, but it's just, I think, in general, the reason that I've put on a bit of pudding over the years is because too much carbohydrate. Yeah. It's, it's, I reckon the old caveman diets where, it, you know, for hundreds of thousands of years, we basically pulled things out of the ground, pulled them off of trees and killed animals and ate them. Now, all of a sudden, we're making our own bread and pastries. And it's only a recent thing, Mike. We've got to try and 
cut those carbs down and lose a bit of pudding, son. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, there's lots of reasons I could tell you why I've put on weight, but that's another story altogether. I'll tell you what I used to like in America was uh, steak and eggs that you used to make. Steak and eggs is amazing. Steak and eggs for breakfast, brilliant. Mike, the reason you might have put on a bit of pudding, son, is I follow you online and it's all the all the bottles of wine and food stories <laughs> that eat in London. Listen, I've got a very expensive lifestyle to maintain, right? I mean, I say to people, it's cost me a lot of money to get to look like this. You know, it's all very well saying you need to lose some weight, and I probably should. But I, the, the killer for me was giving up smoking. I gave up smoking and immediately put on about a stone and a half. Yeah, well, I'm vaping currently at the moment. You know what? I've not had a drink for a week. Really? We've been healthy, we've been healthy eating, and I've not been smoking. And you know what? I, I don't feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, I do feel a lot better for not smoking. I do. Um, but, you know, I'll have to find some way of losing the weight because it's a pain in the neck. But apart from anything else, right, um, one of the things that uh, we're not doing here in the Independent Republic is a dry January because, in fact, I've just been contacted by the wine bird, Helena Nicklin, who wants to come in and do some dry January drinks, like dry wine, dry white wine, dry martini, you know, that kind of thing. Mate, I, I love those types of shows. I love, I love listening in as well. And I think no, dry January is just a fad. Be, be your own person. The reason I haven't had a drink because I found, I found I was drinking too much. Mm. I, I, it was old to be a little bit. So I just said to my wife, you know what? For next week or two, I'm not going to have a drink. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I've got friends yeah. who do do that for a period of time. They just say, right, you know, for this month, I'm not going to drink. Yeah, that's what you've got to try and do every now and again. Just test yourself just to make sure it's not got older, you might, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely right. Do you want to talk about prisons or should we just say cheerio? Well, I want to talk about prisons because I'd love them to be much, much tougher than they are. You right. know, I, I want to, I, I want prison to be a place that you do not want to go back. Exactly, to. I agree I want with to that. Like a hell, a hellhole, no telly. Yeah, you know, really harsh. I want, you know, mild, mild amounts of force used on you, so you don't want to go back. Over my years, Mike, I've noticed that people don't really like to be hurt. So, if you're in prison, if you use a bit of force, and it's not a very nice place to go to. People will almost do anything to abide by the law. To avoid it, absolutely that. right. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think I wouldn't even give them any heating, to be honest. That would be one thing I would do. Daniel, thanks a lot for your call. Thanks a lot for your chat. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to everybody else for listening. If you didn't get on, don't worry. We're back tomorrow at 10 o'clock, of course. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.